I am humbly grateful. I know a lot of pastors, and they have never been on a sabbatical. In fact, I was last week out of the country, and a pastor friend of mine, we were talking, he's been, this year will be his 40th year pastoring, and he's never been on a sabbatical. So I am grateful to you for all uh, that you've done. And I know some of you are like, oh man, Bishop's got a beard. And uh, I'm gonna tell you the story behind this beard. So, so I know in my mind that after this sabbatical, things may get so crazy that I may forget that I was on a sabbatical. So I said to myself, self, you're not, don't shave for six weeks. Just let it grow and take pictures to remind you you're on sabbatical. And then after the fourth week, my wife joined me and she's like, ooh, I like that. My, my silver fox. And so I told her, well, I'm going to cut it after six weeks. She said, no, don't cut it. And so, uh, you know, yeah, she, 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 she got what she wished. So that's how it's there. And, uh, and, and, and we, me and my wife, we celebrated uh, 40 years of a marriage this year. And, and, and I, I'm just, here's the secret. I just did what she told me to do. I, I, can't, I, I can't fight over it, but hair on my face. And then what she had the nerve to do, because see, I'm, I'm the only male in my house. I almost was tempted to get a male pet just so that I could feel like I got company. But she, uh, then she, you know, sent the pictures to my daughters and then they all ganged up on me. And then she sent it around to other, yeah, she sent it around and uh, everybody in the church. And, and it's, so anyways, I am, here I am. So, uh, yeah, I still got to get used to it. I'm like, what is this, all this on my face? I almost shaved it this morning, and I remembered that I want to live. So, uh, three portions of Scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to, 29, 28 to 30. I'm really grateful for all of the uh, individuals who ministered here while I was gone. I'm just so grateful that I have a church, I pastor a church, I don't have a church, I pastor a church where there are others who can deliver the word of God and, um, and I don't think any church should be dependent on one person and so I'm just grateful for all those who ministered and we're on this Jesus journey and we're going to continue on this Jesus journey. This is a familiar portion of scripture. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, he says, the writer says, There remains therefore a rest to the people, for the people of God. He who has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own work, just as God did cease from his. Then he goes on to say, um, Let us therefore be diligent, or let us labor, the King James Version says, to enter into that rest, lest any one of you fall according to the same example of disobedience as the uh, children of Israel did in the wilderness. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, for the word of God is quick, this is the King James Version, quick or alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing maybe two, the dividing asunder, a soul and spirit. The word is the only thing that can divide your soul from your spirit. A joint marrow, and the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents and the motivations of your heart. The word will convict you with regard to the motives of your heart. So I want to speak to you on the subject, um, no more labor days. No more labor days. I want to talk to you about, uh, about rest. And uh, let, let's bow our heads and allow the Lord to pray to the Lord. First of God, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for those long weekend and a number of people are away uh, enjoying basically the last unofficial weekend of summer. We thank you for those who are here. I pray, Lord, for Baal. Paul's prayer in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 and also in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit of power so that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of man and the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. And then I borrow his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. Cease not to pray for all these individuals, making mention of them in my prayer. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto all of us in this room and all of us online the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of your calling. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Make this house, make this place, make this church a house of encounters with the Holy Spirit. Make this place a house of prayer. Give us hearts of worship that will value you. And finally, give, give us a hunger for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to, as I was on sabbatical, I was seeking the Lord as to what should I do, what should I be getting from the sabbatical? I had this sabbatical planned since um, last fall, and my plan was to use that time to write, to, to continue writing the history of this church. My dad, before he passed away, he wrote a lot of the history between uh, 1927, when this church began, all the way up to 1983. And he said, Brian, your task is to, uh, you can take it from here. And God was so God is a brilliant God because at the time I asked my father to write the history of the church, 
I did not know that, and my father was relatively young, but did not know that roughly about uh, six months to a year after he wrote his portion, he ended up with Alzheimer's disease. And so God's been faithful, and I was preparing to write this, to, to write uh, this uh, history, the rest of the history, continue the book in the hope of finishing it by 2027, which would have been the 100th year anniversary of a um, Pentecostal tabernacle. Because people don't know that we have not always been like this. Uh, the book of Zechariah says, I believe it's chapter 4, says, despise not the days of small beginnings. And, and God has the ability to take our meager offering and make it into something great. So as I was planning, I, I met with uh, one of the one of our partners who has written several books to get his advice and I was all set and then the Lord spoke to me and said, I don't want you working on your sabbatical. I want you to rest. So skip the, skip the writing. I want you to rest. I want you to get, I got a, uh, a sabbatical advisor who would hold me accountable so I met with him three times during my Sabbath, and, uh, and it was wonderful because, uh, and I hope, you know, I hope you don't think anything less of me after I tell you what I did the first few weeks of my sabbatical. I just went on a Netflix binge. I was watching everything I missed during the year, and I know some of you say, what did you watch? I'm not telling you. I want you to still think I'm saved. But it was, it was, it, it was wonderful, and the Lord, and this is what the Lord said to me, because the Lord's been speaking to me, I know this is crazy, but he's been speaking to me since 2019 about how to live the rest-filled life. And he said to me, through, through, through two different prophets, he said to me, You're, the, the congregation you pastor will not learn to rest until you are an example of rest. Because I'm going to be honest with you, some pastors, they would, I would send emails like at two and three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and they're like, do you ever sleep? And there's something about us sometimes in our, I'm just gonna look at the screen. There's something about some of us who, who have made a God out of our worth, work ethic. We, 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 we almost use it as a badge of honor, like, oh, as a student, I did an all-nighter. Like, I'm just, I'm just looking over here because I know there's students over here and I don't want you getting mad at me. But God said to me, you have got to not only understand, but as you as students are starting this new year for you know, 2023, the 2024 New Year, and as we are preparing to enter into 2024, 
this, this series that we're going to be doing is probably going to be one of the most consequential sermons that you will have heard. The word consequence is two words, con, which means with, and sequence means to follow. So, so this being consequential, meaning there's something that's going to follow with you whether you do this or not. There was an article last week, I believe, it was in the Wall Street Journal, and it said uh, the third, the third most, I guess you say, popular reason why people call in sick is because of anxiety and mental health. And I know me as a pastor, there's some days where I have taken what I call a mental health day. Like, I just need a break from this. I know you may think, well, you're the pastor. I know you walk in the presence of God, and you know what? It's like that commercial used to say, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Just, I just need a break. And so uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm not here by myself because, uh, so can I ask you, can you raise your hand if you took a mental health day? Like you just, you just said, no, I'm just not coming in. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm amongst friends. Uh, so that way uh, the other people don't judge me. So we, 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 need to, we need to find out what Jesus was saying when he said, I will give you rest. Now, I want to use this as an introduction to what this rest-filled life is. And then, next week I want to talk about Jesus and rest. The following week I'm going to talk about Moses and rest. And then the final week in September I want to end the series with God and rest. And hopefully, if the Holy Spirit would help me and help us, we will be better prepared to enter into the things that God wants to give us without working for it. So, Jesus says, he comes up, says, come to me all ye that are uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and you will find rest, say rest, you will find rest for your soul. What's interesting is that those two words of rest, they are two different words. The first rest, I will give you rest, in the Greek, it is a verb, meaning it's an action. So who's doing the action? Jesus, by giving rest. So it's an action on Jesus' part. The second word, rest, you will find rest for your soul. That word is a noun. And we know that a noun is a person, a what? Place and a thing. So. This rest that Jesus says you will find, it is a place. It's a place called rest. He says, I will give you rest. And then he says, 
you will find rest. About two weeks ago, I decided that I've been enjoying this non-believing, non-Christian life for a while, meaning that not going to church on Sundays, it was, it was wonderful. I actually, I, I couldn't, I was getting too used to not going to church. So I decided to go to a church, a good friend of mine who we worked on a project together, his name is Pastor Derek Fry. He pastors Connect Church, a great church out in uh, Ashland. And his son was speaking, uh, Devon, Devon Fry, Pastor Devon Fry, and he said something that was very powerful. He said, um, he said, you cannot earn favor, but you can find favor. Let me say it again. You cannot earn favor. You cannot earn the favor of God, but you can find the favor of God. And that just exploded into me because favor is preferential treatment. It is just you have been chosen for no reason other than you have been chosen. Are you following so far? And so to find favor is a wonderful thing. For example, I got a gift card here, and it's from CVS. It's not a lot of money, but, you know, you could, it's, there's money. It says celebrate your day. And so uh, my friend from Gordon who was sitting at the edge here, yes, you, sir, could you come up here? Now, I just met him, and... Don't, your name again is? Jesse. Jesse, all right, good name. And Jesse, I, I'm not here to embarrass you. Here's a gift card. Uh, have we ever met before other than today? Okay, good. So I just chose him. Just, just gave him a favor. I figured seeing that your first time guessing somebody, you know, got you out the aisle dancing, you ought to get paid for something. <laughs> They're going to tell their friends, oh, watch the uh, stream. You'll see Jesse dancing in a church he's never been in. <laughs> but I just chose him. I don't know him. I just chose him. So he can't say, well, he chose me because of what it dot, 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 dot. And I say that because when you look in the scriptures, there are a whole bunch of characters in the scriptures that have found favor. Noah does not drown like the tens of thousands or millions of people who drowned, it, drowned when the flood came because Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 says, and Noah found favor with God. You, you have uh, the nation of Israel who they were slaves for 400 years. And the Bible says in chapter 3 of Exodus, God says, you're going to find so much favor that when you leave Egypt, you will not leave empty-handed. The Egyptians are just going to give you stuff. Mm. Uh, Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, 
sold into slavery. And then he is accused of rape falsely and ends up in prison. And the interesting thing is God has a way of messing with your mind because the name Joseph in Hebrew means may the Lord add to me. And some of you, God said I'm going to add to you and yet he starts off with deduction. He starts off with subtraction. <laughs> and I, I've learned in my walk with God for over 50 years that the reason why he has to start out with, subtra with subtraction is because he's got to take things out of your life so that he can add what he wants in your life. Mm, 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 mm. I know you were weeping about how you didn't get that job or how you lost your boyfriend or girlfriend or how you lost your, your best friends or how you have lost. But let me tell you, God is setting you up for his addition. But his addition must stop with subtraction. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The problem is he didn't tell you what he was going to subtract first. Woo! <laughs> Something you can leave right now. Because you've been going, if God is for me, why is he taking all this stuff from me? I thought I was going to get in this school, but he took that from me. God said, you have no idea what I'm going to add to you. And while Joseph was going through all that, read in Genesis chapter 39, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph found favor. He found favor in a house of slavery. He found favor in, in a prison. God's favor, oh, this is a bad word right here. God's favor, there is nothing in your life that will keep you from the favor of God. Mary, a teenage girl. There were hundreds of teenage girls in Jerusalem not Jerusalem, in, in Israel, who God could have chosen. And yet he chooses this 13, 14-year-old girl, Mary, and the Gabriel comes to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, and says, Blessed are you, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, it says, in Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 40 and 52, it says, Jesus found favor, and he also grew in favor. You know, you, you can grow your favor. You, you have startup favor, but you can grow in favor. And when I looked at all of these individuals who found favor, it began to open my eyes of how throughout my walk with God, I, I came to Jesus at, at 10 years old, and, and so I've been walking with him for 54 years. You don't have to do the math, I'm 64. And I found out that, that I've had the favor of God on my life as long as I can remember. But I also discovered there was something that I did to find the favor. Now, I'm not a deep guy. 
But the point I'm making is that you can't find anything until you look for it. I'll say that again. You cannot find anything until you look for it. And I've discovered as I looked at my life, and I want to get, I want to read the scripture because it's just such a blessing. You can't find God's favor until you start seeking the Lord. Too many people are seeking the blessing as opposed to the blesser. So, Isaiah 55, and I'm almost done. <laughs> he starts out with verse 6. He says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Which means that if God does not want you to find him, you will not find him. Jesus, if you remember, Jesus, he was speaking these parables, and the, the disciples said, you know, well, you're speaking these parables, and, and, and people don't understand them, and Jesus begins to explain it to his disciples, and he, he, says, he says, I've hidden, I've hidden the meaning of these things from these folks because I don't want them to be healed. I don't want them to, to, to understand. But he says, blessed are your eyes because you see. When you find the favor of God, it's because God has blessed you to find him. Are you with me? So he says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. But this is the thing that struck me. It says, Lick it, let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. There is a way of thinking that we have got to get rid of in order to find the favor of God. God, and, 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 and so he goes on to say that I need you to forsake your thinking because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your way. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So that means, oh my goodness, you can't hold your thoughts and God's thoughts at the same time. Let me give you a story. When we went to buy this church, this building, and it didn't look like this, okay? It was jacked up. I'm sorry, messed up. And, and uh, this area of Cambridge, it's worse now, but this is back in 2013, so it's worse now. This area of Cambridge, uh, the realtor took me around, and she said, everybody who puts their property on the market, are you hearing me, they get 4% above asking price. Are you following me? So, and she started pointing out houses. She said, oh, this house, it went on sale for a million dollars. The owner got a million, 
you know, 4% higher. So I said, I got you, I got you. So then she says, so you need to understand that the asking price for this church is $2.3 million. $2.3 million, say that with me, $2.3 million. Now my mind was saying, we don't have anything near that. And so, seeing that we didn't have anything like that, I sought the Lord. God, what should we do? What should we offer? But I had to let go of my thoughts. This is going to help somebody. Turn to somebody, turn to somebody and say, this is going to help you. As I was seeking the Lord, he dropped into my heart an amount to offer the seller. I called Elder Roy, I don't know if you remember, and Elder Troy, who's downstairs, they're working at the church full-time, still do. And I said, I'm thinking about offering a certain amount. What do you think we should offer? And they, and they, they had the same exact amount that I had in my heart to offer. <laughs> I'm still laughing at it. So I said to our realtor, tell the seller we're offering $1.5 million. 800,000 less than what they said. She looked at me like she wanted to slap the color off me. It was like, didn't I tell you? But my heart was like, but God told me something different. Now you need to understand, my degree is in accounting. So for, so for me to forsake my thoughts is, was a real big deal. So we offered the money and they were so, they were so angry that they didn't, re, they didn't even respond for two months. They were so angry. Two months later, my realtor came back and said, Bishop, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? They dropped the price to $1.6 million. Woohoo! I remember I looked at her and I said, I, I, I can't offer, I can't offer more than 1.5. She had the look. She was like, what? I said, I can't because if it was left up to me, I would have been jumping around saying, yes, they dropped the price, $700,000, but you see, that's not God's thoughts. Mm. And then on watch night service, <laughs> we were in church December 31st, 2013. She came back to me and said, you're not going to believe it. I just got a message. They're going to accept the 1.5. What was my point? The point is this. What if I gave in and said, you know what? 1.6 is amazing. Let me take that. I would have been giving away $100,000 of God's money. When you enter into his rest, you may want to write this down. When you enter into his rest, he will do the rest. 
Everything that we have in our lives, everything, is because we have sought God and he gave us preferential treatment. When we bought our house, we couldn't afford our house. And so the, the, the owner said, you know what? We were raised in this house and we wanted a family to be in this house, so we're just going to drop the price because we like it. See, it pays to pray. Let me tell you something. You can pay full price or you can get, uh, or you can get a discount at the store of grace. Mm. Walk in the favor of God. It is the rest of God. So let me close as I... During my sabbatical, we had, I'm a, I'm a bishop over a denomination called the United Pentecostal Council of the Assemblies of God. So we have churches in Barbados, Romania. And, and so this was a historical convention because in the first, uh, this is the first time in the 104 year, hist 104 year history of our organization that a woman was elected as presiding elder. Now, to make you understand our organization, because it kind of doesn't make sense, I'm the international bishop, but they also have an international presiding elder. So the way I explain it is this. I'm King Charles of England, and the presiding elder is the prime minister, which means that the presiding elder has all of the power, all the authority, and I'm like, you know, kind of like a figurehead. So, but I get respect because people, you know, they like me. And, and so my point is that they were trying, the, the executive team, they, they were trying to get me to come. They said, no, you know, just come. You don't have to do anything. Come and then go back on your sabbatical. And I said, no, no. Because one thing, you know, I think what's going to happen is that something would have happened at that convention, which would get me upset, and I have to stop my sabbatical all over again. But I said no, because God said, I want you to rest, and, and I wrote a letter to make sure they understood, and, and this is the thing I want to end, end with. I said to them, I have to care for my own mental health. I have to care for my own mental health. When you look at the Hebrew, the Greek words for rest, in the middle of each Greek word is the word pause. And if you look up pause, you will, you will see the etymology of the word pause comes from these Greek words, meaning rest. So I want to end with this, this acronym that I'm going to unpack over the next few weeks. We're going to use this acronym for the word rest, which is the definition of these Greek words for rest. And I call it care, meaning I need to, I need to care for my own mind, my own health. So this word rest means to cease. It means to arrest, as in one has been arrested. It means to recreate, as in recreation. 
which is why I did all the stuff that I like doing. And it means to exhale, to cease, to arrest, to recreate or recreate, and to exhale. And by the grace of God, I'm at, by the grace of God, when we finish, I am believing God that all the anxiety that you and I have been carrying, all of the nervousness about the future, all of the concern about you know, the, the, the newest outbreak of the pandemic and COVID, like all of these things are causing us to be full of anxiety. And God is saying, I want you to enter into my rest. I was reading an article and most of us heard of the term quiet quitting. Have heard that term quiet quitting? Now there's a new term called um, quiet firing. And a lot of companies are just letting people go in a way that is just so painful. So I want to pray for you just before we end the service. And if you're here and you, you've, been, you've, been, you've been restless and you're sitting here but your mind is running. You're looking forward towards 2024 and like, okay, I'm in my last year of college, of I'm last year of grad school, what, what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna live? How, like all these things you're concerned about and God is saying, I want you to find rest for your souls. So I wanna pray for you as, I, as I'm praying for myself because I have made up my life, I, I'm gonna live a different life. I'm gonna live a different life. And I want you to join with Jesus. And as Eugene Peterson writes in the Message Bible, we got in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, he talks about finding rhythms, the rhythms of Jesus for your soul. If this has spoken to you, and you're saying, Bishop, could you include me in this final prayer with regards to the rest-filled life. I want you to stand, and I just wanna, I wanna pray for you as I'm praying for myself. Uh, I'm not gonna ask you, you what you're concerned about, that's between you and God. Next week, as we, uh, as we uh, pray for the students, we, we, we purchase 500 of these bottles of oil, we believe, and, we, and oil, there's no power in this oil other than the oil represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And Isaiah chapter 10 verse, either 27 or 29, one of the two, 
in the King James Version, says, the anointing destroys the bondage. And what I've been doing regularly is I've been anointing, been taking oil and anointing my, my mind because I need my mind, I need my mind free. Isaiah 26 verse 3 and verse 4 says, God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him because you're trusting in him. And then verse 4, we stop at verse 3, but verse 4 says, trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He has a strength that lasts forever. Forever. I'm talking about the favor of God. I'm talking about one of my dreams, and, be, and I'll pray for you, because I'm, I'm saying these stories to let you know that this is real stuff. One of my dreams, I didn't want my, my daughters to graduate from school uh, with college loans, but we couldn't afford to pay for their college loans. And so they had loans. They not only got their undergraduate degree, but they got their master's degree. So they had their loans for college and they had their loans for their cars. And it, Blessed us financially during the pandemic. And it was like, I never told God this, but he knew this was in my heart. And we were able to get my daughters, my daughters are debt free. They don't owe college. They don't owe everything debt free. Only God can do that. But you got to live in the favor of God. Because God does favors for his friends. And Jesus said, you are his friends. So I want you to just bow your head. And I want you to put your hands out as if you're receiving the favor of God. Lord, I thank you for each and every individual who is standing right now saying, God, I need, I need rest. I need a break. I need to... I need to do some self-care, Lord. I need to cease from some things. I need, I need to be arrested. I need, I need some recreation. I need to have some fun. I need to exhale. And so, Lord, as we journey to find the place of rest, as we have made up our minds, no more Labor Day, no more working to make things happen, no more trying to figure things out. No more trying to, to, to prove myself. And, 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 and no more being tormented in my mind and tormented in my heart. And no more. I am going to live the rest-filled life. And Jesus, you, you gave me the invitation. So I'm not making this up. You said, come to me. And I will give you rest.
And so, Lord, by standing up, we're saying we're coming to you. Now, Lord, I pray that as we stop moving on the journey to the place called rest, that along the way, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to say to, 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 to all of us at one time, I need you to let go of what you think. Woo! <laughs> let go of what you think. I know what you're thinking makes sense, but seek me and I'm going to give you an answer where you can find favor and find rest. And Lord, I pray, I pray that we will start seeing miracles, signs, wonders, because Lord, you're the God of favor. And so we bless you, Lord. I, 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 I am so excited because this is a practice that you want us all to use for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for all you're doing. Even those who are watching online, let them receive the favor of the Lord. Let them receive the rest of the Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand at this time. God bless you for coming again. Next week is back to school Sunday, so we're praying for students, we're praying for teachers, and we're going to be giving each and every one of you uh, this uh, oil so that you can anoint yourself, so you can pray, so you can bless yourself. There's a scripture that says, talks about blessing yourself, and I'll tell you about that another time. But my wife and I, uh, we're, we're going to be praying over those bottles of oil for this entire week. We're going to be praying about it. Uh, we're we are going on our own prayer and prayer uh, consecration before the Lord because we really believe that this month is the month that God is going to start uh, uh, catapulting all of us into the place of rest, into the place that he's always prepared for us. Amen. Well, now before I give this final prayer, could you turn to the person next to you and say, no, God bless you. God, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, if you're new to this church, we don't, we don't conclude the service with a closing prayer, a benediction. Bene, bene meaning good, and diction meaning words, so a benediction is a good word. But we end with a blessing. We end with a blessing. Uh, blessing, one of the definitions of blessing, the words that empower a person for success. And so I wanted to give you a blessing. And again, when you receive the blessing, you put out your hands. So if you can put out your hands like this. And, uh, and after I give you the blessing, we're, we're trying to create a culture where nobody walks out these doors without somebody saying hello to them, without somebody saying, hey, what's your name? We're, we're, we're building a culture where everybody, no matter who you are, Somebody, that this, this, this congregation says, we see you. So if you are a visitor and you don't know anybody, don't, don't, like, like, don't run through the door because we can't catch you. But if you take your time, somebody should be saying, hey, how you doing? Because we don't want anybody. We already know that Boston's an unfriendly place. Amen. 
So we want this place to be one of the most friendliest places in the area. And so, Father, I declare Paul's closing benediction and blessing on the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 14. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of Father God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and throughout this entire week. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. Have a great week. Enjoy the rest of this long weekend. See you next Sunday.